Welcome to the Bearing Fruit Podcast, where we will be discussing the simplicity of Christianity. This is a production of Simply Free Church in Lanark, Illinois. Now here's your host, Pastor Glenn Scott. Good morning. At the end of the Christmas story, we leave off two very important people that hardly anybody knows or talks about. So you get here down to, you know, the shepherds go and the wise men come and all this kind of stuff. And there is another few verses that nobody ever wants to talk about. It's um, Simeon and Anna. And, and there's, there's so much going on here. I, I, I know I say that all the time. But just in a few verses, there's so many things. And right in the beginning of Luke's gospel, I mean, it's the most detailed gospel we have. And he's telling us this Christmas story and... If we would actually pay a little more attention to these two characters in the Bible, it would answer a lot of your questions as you read the Bible. And don't we do this? We go through the Bible and we read something and say, now, how, you know, I, I don't understand how that goes. Or we, we pick out the verses that we want to use on somebody and don't really know what they're about or what the context was. So I just want to kind of, I'll give you a brief summary. Uh, Simeon. Uh, I probably butchered that name, is a gentleman that is at the temple. And Anna, Anna is a woman who actually lives at the temple. And what they do is, after a seven-day or eight-day uh, purification period for Mary, because they had these ceremonial unclean and clean laws, um, they would have to take their baby, the child, to the temple to be dedicated and circumcised. And these two people that are at this temple, when Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple, is still part of the Christmas story, and nobody talks about them. Nobody thinks about them. A few of you probably understand this, but um, I'm going to start by reading some of these, and then we're going to dive into how they can actually answer some of your questions right in the Christmas story. They can tell you so much about all these complex questions you're going to have as you grow in your faith with God. Um, I'm going to start at Luke 2:21, And then on the eighth day, I'm sorry, um, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Still part of the Christmas story, right? Uh, you, some of you aren't going to like this. Right here where it says that Jesus was circumcised. When you come across somebody, I think it's Leviticus um, 19.28, says don't mark or cut your body, right? And I'm sure a lot of you have dealt with this. I'm, I'm full of tattoos and people have hammered me for years. And in that law, it says, do not mark or cut your body. But he wants all the men to be circumcised. They even circumcised Jesus. You think that's not cutting and marking of the body? So how can that be? That would be a contrary to the law. So obviously, you're not reading it right. You, you have to understand, okay, I missed something. So if you would keep reading that, anybody that starts to hammer you about marking and cutting your bodies, it was for the dead, and you have to understand what the ritual was that was going on here. Pagans had a ritual that at the funeral, they would cut and mark their bodies for the person that had died, and that they would worship them. They would also worship their gods. And this is actually what it's talking about. So if somebody comes up to you and says, 
It says you're not supposed to cut or mark your body. You say, well, all the guys got circumcised. Is that not cutting your body? Is that not marking? I knew you wouldn't want to talk about that, but think about it. Right in the Christmas story, we've already got an answer to that question. Okay, let's go on then to 22, Luke 2.22. Let's take a look at this. Um, now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, was completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. There's also a footnote there that says, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every child who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Doesn't seem like much, does it? But yet everybody wants to know the question about, do you baptize a baby or do you dedicate a baby? This is the dedication right here. This is why we dedicate babies. It's not that I'm against baptizing them. I, I don't care. But this is actually the law. That he would take Jesus or any child and present them to the Lord on the eighth day and dedicate them to the Lord. Jesus doesn't get baptized until he's, what, 30, 30 years old? Why is that? You have an answer to that question right here. They, they dedicate babies to the Lord. And then they get baptized when they're old enough to make this, this adult decision, or not even really an adult decision, but they actually know what's going on. So if somebody wants to talk to you about whether you baptize babies or dedicate babies, you can actually say, well, in the Christmas story, right off the bat, first part of Luke, they dedicate Jesus. Um, the law also says in Leviticus 16.24, that the Holy of Holies is where the high priest would go in once a year to offer up a sacrifice to God for the Israelites. I want you to think about baptism. Where did baptism start? Right? We, we hear about John the Baptist, and he was preparing the way. This is about the first time you ever hear about baptism, right? There's no, no scripture in there that says, okay, I want you to start doing this, except when the priest went into the Holy of Holies, he actually was supposed to purify himself with water. This is nothing new to be baptized. This is not just a New Testament thing. Therefore, we baptize adults and we dedicate children, and it's all in this Christmas story. Okay, I'm just going to keep reading some of this for you. Um, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of of Israel. This consolation word means comfort. They were waiting for the Messiah to come, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Part of the Christmas story. Holy Spirit's there, right? Let's go to your teaching now, too. Uh, where did the Holy Spirit come from? Uh, when was it that we could invite him into our bodies? Uh, no, it wasn't until Pentecost. This is stuff that a lot of you talk about and have a lot of questions about. The Holy Spirit has always been there. Right from the beginning, it says that the wisdom was with the Holy Spirit in the beginning in the creation. But God could deposit it where he wanted to. You, ne you couldn't necessarily, uh, it wasn't just a free thing you could take in. God had to deposit it. And here it is right here that the Holy Spirit was on this man before Jesus ever hung on the cross or Pentecost or anything like that. The Holy Spirit's present and with 
Same men. Pretty deep stuff, huh? It's in the Christmas story. Why don't we read the end of this Christmas story? And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do to him according to their customs and law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servants depart in peace according to your will. God had revealed to this man that he was going to see the Christ child. This, this is Christmas, right? This is the, the birth of Christ. And, and this guy that was uh, a just and upright man was waiting to see this child. And lo and behold, Mary and Joseph walk into the temple and present him to the Lord, and Simeon is there. God had made him a promise, and he still promises us. God's promises are not harsh, and they're not, you know, everybody thinks that you've got this God that's just waiting to pounce on you. As soon as you do something wrong, he's going to pounce on you. And he's just waiting for you to screw up so he can punish you. He's just waiting to send you to hell. That's what you're saying. When it's just not true. He is a kind and gentle God. And he sends us this message of Christ because we didn't get it. Simeon just wanted to see the Christ. He took the baby in his arms and held it. That's Christmas. So right after that, Luke 2.30. I don't think we should need to take a look at that. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light will bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Oh, this is good. This is good right here. He is the salvation for everybody, not just the Israelites. And this is something that people deal with all the time. And right in the Christmas story, it says it's for all the people. Even the angels come and say, this is going to be a sign. This is for all the people. But yet what we want to do is we want to, we want to separate the Israelites and we want to take old law and say, oh, that was just for them. That doesn't apply to me anymore. But you see, the, the law wasn't abolished. It was just fulfilled. How can people start to argue about Jesus just coming for the Israelites? So then there's actually a, um, there's a story, I, I can't even think of where it's at right now, where the Canaanite lady wants her uh, child healed and comes to God, comes to Jesus, and is trying to get to him and, and yells out to him, Lord, Lord. And Jesus turns around and says, don't you know I've only come for the Israelites? See, this is where you're going to get this contrary from, from what this says. Don't you know I've only come for the Israelites? And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs. And he says, your faith has healed your daughter. And at that very moment, she was healed. If you think that this is literal, it's in contrary to what we read in the Christmas story. That Christ came for all people. The angels even said, for all people. So then we get to this point where Jesus says this. Now, 
I'm probably a little wrong on this, and you're probably not going to like this. Like I said, I didn't think all of you would be here. But I think that Jesus was a little bit of a smart aleck, too. A little sarcasm in there. Now, somebody's going to really hammer me for that, but I'll, I'll back it up. I'm going to put this into something you can understand, okay? Um, he's going from town to town with the Israelis, the Israelites. And they just assumed that he was their new king. He was their new ruler. He came for them. And this lady comes up to him and says, could you heal my daughter? Um, if somebody came up to me and said, um, Glenn, would you tell me about Jesus? And I'd say, haven't you heard? I've only come for the bikers. This is a biker church. Right? And, and she would say, uh, no, I know better. You have enough love for everybody. And I'd say, come on and sit down. This is what's happening here. Jesus isn't saying, I've only come for the Israelites. It's, it's like he said, um, well, haven't you heard? I, I've only come for the Israelites. Can't you see a little smile on his face? And her saying, I know who you are. You see how much you can learn from this little Christmas story at the end that you guys won't read. There is so much stuff going on in here, and we just don't do it. The Holy Spirit was upon him. He took the child. He'd been waiting for this child. It was for all the people, and he blessed the child. According to the law, he marked the child. He cut the child. The Holy Spirit was there. All of this stuff is in the first part of Luke, in the beginning where the Christmas story is, and then you question all this other stuff in the back of the Bible and everything because you haven't read this. And if you know what's going on, you'll understand. A revelation to the Gentiles should have been the key to this whole thing that Christ came for everybody and for the joy of the Israelites. He came for everybody, but yet they argue about it. Even in the scripture, I think it's John and Paul, James and Paul maybe, that are arguing about, uh, Paul says, I'm going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And James says, no, 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 no. Christ only came for the Israelites. And then they have this argument and they don't get along very well, just like a lot of Christians, right? There's even arguments in the Bible between Christians. But of course, Paul wins out and knows that Christ came for everybody. We are the Gentiles. I don't know, maybe, is there anybody from Israel in here? I couldn't stand up here and talk like this if it wasn't for all the people. A revelation to the Gentiles. Wow! The Christmas story tells us that Christ has come for everybody. And it's not even just you guys sitting in here. It's the people that are still out there that are lost. He didn't just come for the people that were found. He came for the lost. That was all us once. I don't know how long you've been doing this, but some of this stuff is, is a revelation to me. That in the very Christmas story, we have so many answers to so many questions that we want to sit around and debate about and discuss. It's, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, I love it. People send me questions and well, sometimes I know, sometimes I don't. You don't have to know everything. But a lot of times when you do talk to somebody like that, you can say, well, I think that's answered in the Christmas story. They'd look at you like you were a nut job. But it is. 
Joseph and Mary marveled at those things which were spoken to him, Jesus. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many, and for a sign which will be spoken against many. You see, he came for all, but if you won't accept him, mm, mm, Christmas story. Okay, so let's go on here to the next one. I had to talk to you about Anna. Wait a minute, where am I at here? I'm all right. Now, there was one, Anna, a prophetess. Now, let's just stop here for a minute. A woman in the temple that is a prophet. Is this going to shake up your whole theology? <laughs> she was from the tribe of Asher. She would have, was of great age. She was a widower, about 84 years old, and did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming in, in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption. There's a woman in the temple and she was speaking. How many times have you heard this, right? I'm, I'm going to say it. Women aren't supposed to speak in church. But in the Christmas story, there's a prophetess, a woman prophet that's prays night and day and tells everybody that comes into the temple about her Lord. That does not wash with what you guys have all heard and said about women aren't supposed to speak in church. In the Christmas story, this gives us a clue of what this means. And I, I don't know how many of you have been in my, my teaching on this. Um, Paul's actually um, answering questions to the church and they're the church of Corinth and they're writing him questions and he's answering him them. And as he goes through the questions, he actually says now referring to, and then he gives an answer to go to the next one. Now referring to, uh, and he's, he's answering these. And then he comes to this one part. Um, I, I probably should have put it up on the screen. Um, he comes to this one part and says, and your women should be quiet in church. And most all of your paraphrases that you're looking at stops, period, end of sentence. And in the original text, King James Version, this is why it's important to really know what's going on. In the King James Version, there's a word that says what in a question mark that's not in your Bibles. If you've got a King James, which is the actual translation, word for word, the best that we can do it. So now reread this in the original text. You should have your women be quiet in church. What? And then it goes on to say, did God give this to you? But you see, oh, you men aren't going to like this. Men wrote this and translated it. <laughs> and how convenient would it be to leave out the word, what? <laughs> Just saying. I'll probably have to edit that out because if the world hears me talking like this, this, this is really simple stuff. But in your Bible, that word what is not there. Now, if you were to read it again, it would look totally different. But if you pick up a King James 
transition, translation, it'll say, now keep your women quiet in church. What? It's like he's saying, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why don't you go tell Anna that one? See, so it doesn't wash, right? We, we don't have to question these things. There's easy answers. This is simple stuff. And it's in the Christmas story. All right, I'm going to get to the bottom line here, okay? Here's the best part of this story. Simeon just wanted to see the Christ. And God promised him that he would. And when he saw this child, he knew what it was. Scooped him up, so glad, so full of joy. The Christ. Now, let's say he was a pastor. Speaking from experience, I can't think of anything I would like more than to everybody have salvation. This is what I want. I want to just reach the lost, just however I can, whatever it takes. Simeon would have wanted that same thing. And he saw the hope. This is it. Christ is here. Salvation is here for everybody. This is all I ever wanted. What a Christmas story that is. That's what we should do for Christmas. Will the worship team get ready? You guys need to be Simeon and Anna. All he wanted to do was have hope for this world. And in this world they were living in is not a lot different than what we're doing right now. It was a mess. God sends his son right at the right time to save the world. Don't we need it right now? And here is Simeon knowing that he would not die until he saw this hope, this salvation for everybody. This is what we should be doing at Christmas. And it's eight days Past his birth. That would be tomorrow. I wish you guys would act like that tomorrow. We have the Christ. We're hoping for salvation to come to this world. We can see Christ before we die too. If you're a follower of Christ, you will not taste death. You will step from one realm right into the next. The thief on the cross tells us this. Can't you see... Simeon just waiting to see this child and his parents walk in with him to dedicate him to the Lord. And he has seen the hope. He has seen the peace that could come to this world. He's seeing, he's looking, he's holding the joy for all the people, each and every one of them. God had made him this promise. And here's a promise that he makes you as well. Scott, will you put up uh, Romans 15, 13? Now may the Lord of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can have the same joy. He's giving you this opportunity to have the same joy that Anna, can you just see Anna light up? Seeing the hope for the world. Holding it in their arms, you can too. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life. That is God's promise sent to you through a message 
that wasn't a piece of paper, that wasn't a vision, wasn't somebody's dream, but a person that says, my father has a message for you. He's going to make you a promise. This one's just about the same way. If you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. Can you imagine Simeon and Anna seeing the Christ child, seeing the hope, knowing that God kept his promise, just like he said he would. And he's made you promises too. You too can be in the presence of Christ and have that hope and that joy. And eight days later would be tomorrow. Can you just thank God for the hope that he has given this world? That's Christmas. And this is part of the Christmas story. You know, when you, when you realize that this is available to you, this, this, this holiness just, just comes over you. And you know, this is where we find the peace and the joy. Maybe we don't understand everything, but his forgiveness is so good. His love is so strong. And all we need to do is accept it. Whoever believes in me, Jesus, will have eternal life. This, this Christmas story and you know, all these things that are in there can tell you so much. And it makes, it makes some of our ways that we were taught when we were a kid, kind of it debunk, debunks them. So as people go through life and try to hammer you with text, to abuse the text, you don't need to argue with him about it. You just say, I'm so thankful for Christ. He tells us everything we need to know. We don't need to know anything else. Now, all these things that I've hopefully changed your way of thinking, we're going to apply them to us. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't do it right. People use our, our own scripture against even... Christians, you know you're not supposed to do that. You can't have church in a pole barn. You can't preach in white tennis shoes. You can't sit in patio furniture. You can't have an electric guitar in church. You can't have a dog in church. See what happens? Where are they getting some of this stuff from? I have been called a cult so many times, I don't even care because I want to reach the lost. And if they think we're a cult and come in here, I hope I can reach them. And all I'm going to do is tell them the Christmas story. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the redemption plan that you put into place with the birth of Christ. And you never ended it. He hung on that cross and he died for us. And we should absolutely rejoice each and every day. But let tomorrow really sink in. Let's be the, the Samian and the Annas of the Christmas story. A week after the birth, joy was so beautiful. And we got so many answers from your message through your son, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God. It's in his name we pray. Amen.